0: Every week, journalists at the University of Florida's College of Journalism and Communications report important stories for the people of North Central Florida and beyond.
1: And with you being on MTPO, do you foresee any changes or what? what is sort of in the cards now? Are there any projects going on? any collaboration between the city and the university that you hope to see sort of continue.
2: As organizers, what are your recommendations to people that are showing up to the protest?
3: Due to a law passed earlier in the year, the entire process until a finalist was announced was kept in total secrecy. What was GAU's role in the protests during Ben Sasse's first
4: campus visit?
0: This is The Rewind from WUFT News. I'm Matthew Bell, your host for this week. I'll take you through the strongest reporting coming out of the college and a discussion with the people most familiar with these stories. On Thursday, October 6th, a search committee for the University of Florida unanimously recommended Republican Nebraska Senator Ben Sass as the sole finalist in the search for the 13th University of Florida president. The senator has drawn the ire of his opponents due to his stances against same-sex marriage and abortion. This week, the Rewind team reached out to UF faculty, students, and others in the Gainesville area to get their reactions. Producer Ezra Sheffield covers the events that led to the special meeting of the UF Faculty Senate and the outcome of the meeting.
3: It has been over three weeks since the University of Florida's Presidential Search Committee first announced Ben Sass as the sole finalist for the role of university president. The announcement sparked major protests from both faculty and students, denouncing him as a political actor and a poor culture fit for the students, faculty, and staff on campus. Many opposers pointed to his position on LGBTQ rights and abortion as major pain points as well as the lack of transparency in the search process. Due to a law passed earlier in the year, the entire process until a finalist was announced was kept in total secrecy, causing many to question the efficacy of the search. During the University of Florida's Faculty Senate's October 20th meeting, Senate Chair Amanda Fallon explained why the university nominated a sole finalist rather than a group of candidates.
2: Had they moved forward with the process the way that the law envisioned, three sitting presidents three sitting chancellors would have, to, would have had to compete publicly for the UF presidency while in their current positions. So each candidate indicated that they would not continue in the search process unless they were named the sole finalist.
3: However, many of the faculty senators still expressed disappointment and apprehension with Ben Sass's nomination and the process that got him there. One junior faculty senator, Jamie Garner, shared their reservations as an LGBTQ faculty member.
5: Everything you said about your wanting to support LGBTQ rights here despite this person's views sounds wonderful. It, I appreciate it. But my not so much a question, but a comment is I ask that we that you Keep yourself to that, and this body keeps itself to that, because as a trans member of this faculty, it is terrifying to be in this state at the moment in history and then also have this person be nominated as the sole candidate for this president of this university. It's terrifying. Um, given the chance, I would make the University of Florida my home. I love this place. Every day I'm thankful that I get to be here, but also there's every day now with this that I'm terrified that I'm not going to be able to. So I just ask that we do everything we can to make sure that all LGBTQ members of the faculty, as well as the students, because students are terrified too, that we do everything we can to make sure that if he becomes becomes the president, that we make sure that we also show candidates and people who are already here that we are welcome and that this is the place where LGBTQ faculty members can feel home."
3: By the end of the meeting, the Senate had voted to hold a special meeting to discuss a vote on a no-confidence stance condemning the selection process, following in the student Senate's vote earlier in the week doing the same. That meeting, which was held on October 27th, lasted over two hours with arguments being heard about the specifics of the no-confidence resolution. Senator Brian Garbus, who put forward the initial motion, made clear that the no-confidence vote was strictly about process and not about the candidate.
6: So I ask you this, is a flawed process that results in the selection of a qualified candidate just chance? If so, we should count on different outcomes happening every time. So what we do here today is going to set precedent for future state university president selections and higher candidate selections across the state. So we're making history today. Would you accept this kind of process at your faculty search level? Likely not, and we should not accept it at such an important level as that of President. In this instance, we are all heavily involved in this outcome because there are many emotions associated with this candidate himself. And we think, possibly, that a flawed process may have resulted in the selection of a flawed candidate. Something I was asked by several faculty when discussing for votes this week is you wouldn't have put this forward if you supported this candidate. Actually, yes, emphatically yes. You can look at my voting record. I'm a Republican, spoiler alert. We cannot take on changes to state law that have unintentional outcomes that harm the good of the university without attempting to change them.
3: The Senate voted to approve a no-confidence stand condemning the selection process with a 72 to 16 vote. On Tuesday, November 1st, Sass will visit the university for his final round of interviews and the Board of Trustees vote to confirm. The no-confidence vote, as well as the student body Senate's vote, will not directly impact the Board of Trustees vote, but both Faculty Senate Chair Fallon and Student Body President Lauren LeMasters serve on the Board of Trustees and will vote
0: on the final confirmation. That was Ezra Sheffield covering the events that led to a special meeting of the UF Faculty Senate and the outcome of their meeting. Gainesville's mayoral debate closed on Tuesday night after a question about Ben Sass and the process by which he was appointed by the UF Board of Trustees. WUFT's Heather Van Blocklin to ask Harvey Ward and Ed Bolarski what they thought on the matter.
6: With the selection of Ben Sass as the sole nominee for UF president, a lot of folks have concerns for what this means for their community. What are your thoughts on the choice and how would you work with him if selected? One minute each for your response. Mr. Ward, let's start with you.
7: Thank you. So, I'm troubled by the selection process deeply. It's not the sort of thing that any municipality in, in the state of Florida could ever get away with, and I don't really know how the Board of Trustees got away with it. It's uh, certainly not in the sunshine, and that troubles me quite a lot. Unfortunately, it puts Mr. Sass in a situation where he's already behind, uh, you know, between a rock and a hard place when he comes to the community. Uh, I don't know what his actual opinions are. I know that he uh, had to make votes and get elected in Nebraska as a Republican senator. I'm hopeful that his actual policies do not harm reproductive rights in our community, that they do not actually harm LGBT rights in our community, that he will in fact come here and be good to my alma mater, to the people who work here, to the people that it serves. If those things turn out to be true, we'll have a great relationship. If he harms those uh, rights that we all kind of take for granted, we won't get along very well.
6: Thank you, Mr. Ward. Mr. Bilarski, a minute for you as well to respond to the same question.
8: Sure. Uh, I thank you again for that question. I mean, it is something that's affecting the community here. Um, I am concerned about the transparency of the process. I mean, in a state in which the sunshine law uh, was, uh, I guess, came under the Lawton administration, it's it's kind of kind of surrealistic that you would have that kind of a process at the state school so i I do share commissioner uh, ward's concerns um i can only hope um that you know as somebody that came into the community seven years ago myself and fell in love with the community and its eccentricities and its values uh that the same thing can be said um for mr sass i think Gainesville grows on you. It's a wonderful place. Couldn't think about living any other place uh, but here. So I hope that goes for uh, Sass and his adjustment um, to uh, a place other than the Midwest in Nebraska. Gainesville's a unique place.
0: With both the city and the university in the midst of administration changes, producer Jack Prater spoke with Gainesville City Commissioner Adrian Hayes-Santos about the cooperation between the two entities in regard to city planning, transportation, and safety. I'm curious about
1: what the relationship between UF presidents and the city commission is like, and how these changes of presidents sort of affects that relationship.
9: So, I've never been on the commission during a during a change in, in a presidency, so I don't think I can kind of fully uh, answer that question in that sense. I haven't I haven't been there. Over the year, I mean, I grew up in Gainesville, I went to the University of Florida, so I've I've been a part of that and seen the changes and the transitions. I think one of the transitions that we have seen is that we've seen a, a kind of a push to move Gainesville or move the university from just being these kind of walls around 13th Street University and they focus very inward. They have changed to look outward and realizing that for the university to succeed, they have to be a, a part of the community. And I would say that has definitely changed dramatically. The university is much more focused on uh, not just inside the city and kind of building walls, or inside the university and building walls, but really opening their doors, working to build a new health clinic in, in East Gainesville, to we partnered on, on millions of dollars of pilot projects as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ideas. And then also the the um, transit is one of the, the kind of major places we partner as well. But um I think that's kind of one of the the biggest changes. And I, I hope that with the new president that it it, it continues that outward face and looking and welcoming the the city of Gainesville into the university and also kind of helping the University of Florida go into the city of Gainesville because we are really our one one entity. We're not we're not two.
1: And with you being on MTPO, do you foresee any changes or what what is sort of in the cards now? Are there any projects going on? Any collaboration between the city and the university that you hope to see sort of continue?
9: Yeah, so I mean, there's a continuation of the funding of of transit. uh, And I mean, those prices are increasing for the city of Gainesville, what we're having to pay our our bus drivers. Um, So those prices that we in turn have to charge the University of Florida are are increasing, too. So hopefully that those be kept up. I think one of the larger ones um, is is Vision Zero and really 13th Street and University Avenue and pedestrian safety. Um, I, I hope that the and, and I, I haven't heard anything otherwise that the university will continue to move forward on helping collaborate between the the city, FDOT, and and the university on transforming uh, 13th Street and University Avenue, and making them safe places for all users. Um, those are kind of I think the, the biggest places of collaboration right now. Um, but the, the university continues uh, to move forward on their their goal of kind of removing cars from a portion of their campus and really making it more walkable place, but also connecting walkability between the university and, and the surrounding area.
1: Do you or the commission sort of have a stance or or any concerns about just the process of choosing the president, university? Of yeah, so
9: that, that was a decision the legislature made to uh, exempt uh, the portion of the process. I remember when that was going through um, the legislature, I think one of the things that me and I think other people thought, and I've seen similar quotes from other, other people with that exempting a portion of the of the process, but then there being a uh, final two or three people who would who would um who would be in the kind of the final selection um and those would be kind of brought out and and discussed with the public and with faculty and with with students the board of trustees decided to go in a, a different direction I don't think that was the intent of the the law but um i guess it did follow the law but i, I think that process probably would have i think they would have reduced the amount of flack that they kind of had if they had a more brought forward two or three candidates to meet with students to meet with faculty to meet the administration to meet with the the public of gainsel as well
1: and so sort of the second part of my question is what some people see as that lack of transparency does that raise any alarms with just the future relationship between the city and uf or is that i, I mean really... i think
9: that wh- whoever the president is and um, we we will work together i i hope that um the future president i i haven't heard anything otherwise but i mean i think that they differ on on certain things on on certain ideas outside of kind of the university city relationship but really um working how making the city and the university as as great as they can be and working together on that um we don't have to agree on on everything but i hope that we can agree on on those two things
1: yeah is there anything that i didn't ask uh, just sort of about that relationship or the inner workings that you want to talk about
9: no, I mean I, I would say it's it's um it's not just um kind of the the head president or who the mayor is. I mean that that's a major part of it, but there's a lot of um, administration and, and students there's a lot of other things that go into the relationship between the city and and u f and that has been kind of entrenched much more in the culture, I think, both at the university and at the city. Beyond just, and that was kind of one of the goals. We know the mayor's gonna change. We know that the president of the US is gonna change at some point too. So really building that um, infrastructure of cooperation. So who no matter who is kind of in charge on each each side, there is still that foundation to continue moving forward on, on new projects and, and shared kind of goals together.
0: That was producer Jack Prater speaking with Gainesville City Commissioner Adrian Hayes Santos about the cooperation between the city and the university in regards to city planning, transportation, and safety. Producer Julia Cooper spoke with UF student protest organizer Ava Kaplan about reactions to new indoor protest policy enforcement on campus and plans for Senator Ben Sasse's next visit on Tuesday, November 1st.
2: Tell me a little bit of an overview of what you guys are planning for November 1st.
10: So, November 1st is when the Board of Trustees is going to be voting on whether or not Dr. Ben Sass is going to be the next president of the University of Florida. And they are having a meeting. All the Board of Trustees meetings are open to the public. So, the original plan was to protest, similar to how we did on October, I believe it was 11th, 10th or 11th when he came last time. But considering the email that you have sent out and a bunch of complicating factors. Um, there was a lot we needed to consider there. So um, obviously we are still upset about the fact that Dr. Ben Sass is slated to become the next president of the university. But now even more so I'm upset that this has been the university's response to it and that instead of the administration and the board of trustees listening to the hundreds of student faculty and staff protesters who came out and the alumni who've been pulling donations and the donors and the national media who have been um, responding to this decision, that their response instead of listening to all of that was to ban indoor protests has been um, really disappointing and I think honestly makes this even more transparent that they aren't nominating Dr. Ben Sass because they think that he's the best fit for our university and they're doing it because there's ulterior political motives going on here. So I think November 1st is really our time to show that we're upset with that.
2: So tell me about you or other organizers' reactions to the Faculty Senate vote on Thursday.
10: Yeah, I'm really grateful to see that um, the Faculty Senate voted no confidence in the process that nominated Ben Sass because there have been graduate assistants and staff who have been working with our coalition to plan the protests and the events, but um, I haven't seen a lot of faculty, as in like professors, um turn out. And there's obviously a variety of reasons for that. So it was really inspiring and heartening to see that show of solidarity from them, because I think that they were one of the other pieces of the puzzle of the campus community who we had previously been missing or hadn't heard from. And it's just really heartening to see. And I think that I was watching the, the live stream. So I don't know if I followed this 100 percent, but my understanding was that the vote wasn't necessarily a vote of no confidence for the candidate, Dr. Ben Sass himself, but for the process that nominated him. And I really appreciated that they made that distinction as well, because although obviously Ben Sass as an individual has problems, I think that a lot of the oversight in the media coverage of this has been the fact that it's not just him that's the problem, it's the entire process that got us to this point. So I was really grateful that the Faculty Senate kind of made a point to vote on that specifically, because I think that it shows that we're all on the same page about Being angry and what we're upset about, and hopefully have solidarity with each other moving forward. We
2: touched on it lightly before, but I kind of want to get into what do you think President Fox sending out the email about protest policy updates? What does it signal to you about
10: how they feel about students or campus weighing in on this decision? I think it sends a pretty clear message that they don't care what we have to say. And in fact, not only do they not care what we have to say, but they're openly hostile towards us, and they see students and faculty who are opposing them as kind of an enemy almost, I think that if you're threatening to discipline or arrest students for protesting inside their own school, um, you're obviously portraying these people as someone who you're trying to villainize and trying to antagonize and are seeking to punish. So I honestly was almost at a loss for words when I first saw that email because it just seemed so blatant. I think that there were so many other moves that they could have made to at least appear like they were trying to be fair in this process and take into consideration all the different perspectives and voices on this. But seeing that email just really solidified for me that they're going to do whatever they have to do to get Ben Sasse to be the nominee, whether or not the campus likes it. And they're prepared to go as far as to threaten students with arrest and disciplinary action to get there.
2: What are your, as organizers,
10: what are your recommendations to people that are showing up to the protest? If you're showing up to the protest, I would recommend kind of knowing the risks. Um, it is possible that you will face disciplinary disciplinary action should you choose to go inside or break the rules. That being said, there's always going to be a risk if you're protesting on campus, no matter what. And there is national media attention on this. There has been a national outcry to this um, email by President Fox, and I think that it would look really bad for UF if they actually did decide to (laughs) take action on this. So um, I always say know the risks and um, it's always better safe than sorry. But I'm still really encouraging students to come out because another really important basic protest safety rule is the more people there, the less likely there are to be any arrests or they're less likely there is to be anyone to get in trouble because it's much harder to single people out. So if we all show up in solidarity together and there is a big group and we do reach a critical mass like we did last time, I think that the actual likelihood of anyone getting in trouble is very, very low. So if we show that we're not afraid and we show that we're not going to stand for this and we come out united, I think that it'll just prove to UF that we're not going to listen to these obvious violations of our rights as students and as people and that we're going to continue to protest and make our voices heard no matter what.
2: Is there anything else that you think is significant or worth mentioning about this?
10: I think that we're seeing a national spotlight on our campus and on student activism on our campus in a way that we haven't before and I'm a senior in my past four years here and I've been pretty involved with activism in my four years here. And it's really, really, really exciting. And I can't overstate the importance of having this kind of national attention. And I really hope that students are aware that if there's ever a time to have your voice heard and get involved, this is the time because people are listening and people are watching. And we have a platform now that we didn't before. And that also provides us with a level of safety because UF isn't going to be able to get away with doing things behind closed doors like they want to with this level of national attention, so I think we really need to take advantage of
0: that. That was producer Julia Cooper speaking with UF student protest organizer Ava Kaplan about reactions to new indoor protest policy enforcement on campus and plans for Senator Ben Sass's next visit. While protests accompanied Republican Senator and finalist Ben Sass, protests at UF are nothing new. Producer Nathaniel Wilson spoke to Brent Taylor, a co-president of UF Graduate Assistance United about how UF has a history of oppressing student protesters.
11: Our main task is bargaining with the university to improve material conditions for graduate assistants. So, for example, we, every year we bargain for like raises and stipend increases, and we just won eight weeks of paid leave, anything that's in the employing contract. So healthcare is also something we bargained for. But our main job is to be an advocate for graduate assistants.
4: What is GAU's relationship like with the university?
11: I would say it's it's always been messy, but we've been a lot more public with its messiness the last two years than we have in the past, because frankly, we needed that public pressure to get anything done at the bargaining table.
4: What has GAU done to create that public pressure?
11: As with a lot of union politics in Florida, really, awful things happen at the bargaining table. And there's uh, you can really see how the employer is attempting to skirt employees of their rightful benefits in real time. But a lot of times those bargaining meetings get overlooked by the bargaining unit, the uh, members, and then the larger broader employee population. But we have been drawing attention to them over the last year because in Florida and in other right to work states, The employer absolutely has the upper hand. So we need that kind of large mass of people putting pressure from the outside and doing more of a PR campaign more so than anything else.
4: And what role do protests play in that process?
11: yep so we frequently had protests uh specifically in spring at like key moments in the bargaining process so before we had a big bargaining session there were uh, like a month would go by without any response from uf to get a bargaining meeting scheduled so we would schedule a protest then to with the messaging of we need you to come to the bargaining table so definitely we used protests in the past as a way to attract attention to the material conditions of graduate assistants and how graduate assistants cannot afford to live in Gainesville at the current employing rate. And then when people pretty much see what our minimum stipend in and get exposed to the facts and figures, it's pretty easy to become outraged by it. So we used protests as a way to draw public attention and create public interest and pressure on UF to, at that time, to give us a higher minimum second was what we were looking for.
4: What was GAU's role in the protests during Ben Sasse's first campus visit?
11: So the protests are and the whole movement against Ben Sasse's appointment as the president has been a coalition effort of undergraduate students Graduate students and graduate assistants, and then faculty members and staff members as well. So we were a member of the coalition, helped organize.
4: And what did you think of the SAS
11: protests? I mean, couldn't have asked for a a better protest, honestly. It uh, went even better than we could have possibly expected.
4: Can you talk about the email that President Fox sent out, which outlined the school's banning of protests in on campus buildings?
11: I mean, it's really unfortunate because he has been perceived the last six years as like very warm and friendly to the student population. Um, I mean, student population loved him as president. He was like a celebrity on campus. And now he's ending his career as president with this kind of heavy hand of the law. And what's even more disturbing is he's attempting to wash the indoor protest ban of its history. I mean, in the email it said this ban has only been on the books for a few decades, when in reality it's been on the books for 50 years. It was first put in the Code of Conduct in 1969, and it was simply updated in 2002 with like a one word change. The only time it's ever been used was to arrest and suspend students sitting in at Tiger Hall on Black Thursday in 1971, as the Black Student Union was protesting the lack of Black faculty hiring and the lack of Black student admission, despite UF being desegregated for 13 years at that point. That's the only time it's been used, and it's sad to once again see it come back as a way to oppress student voices. The overwhelming response from students, faculty and staff has been completely against the appointment of Ben Sass, and they are trying to force him through with every mechanism they can, despite literally no one (laughs) enjoying this or being comfortable with it, at least not the vast majority of those populations in the UF community.
4: Do you think anything took place at the Sass protests that warranted this action by the university?
11: Absolutely not, no.
4: Has GAU considered changing the way it handles future protests in the wake of President Fox's announcement?
11: I would say maybe the only thing we have considered differently is how we can get even more people out and how we can encourage people to resist this kind of imposition. Obviously, it's a threat. Obviously, it's an attempt to scare people away from protesting. Obviously, it's an attempt to get people to self- censor themselves out of fear that there's going to be some kind of discipline for them Um, and i think our main tactic change is going to be showing people that they can claim that power and just because someone says they don't have that power doesn't mean that's true Um, and encouraging even broader numbers to get out because it's much harder to discipline a large group of people than a small group of people
4: Are there any other issues that you think listeners should be on the lookout for?
11: I think people really need to be aware of how HB7 is going to influence academic freedom in the classrooms. And I think people need to be wary of how HB7 is implemented, particularly at UF, but at academic universities across Florida to ensure that people are getting, students are getting a free and fair and academically correct education.
0: That was producer Nathaniel Wilson, who spoke to Bryn Taylor, a co-president of UF Graduate Assistance United, about how UF has a history of oppressing student protesters. That's all for this episode. For more on each story, make sure to check out WUFT.org. The Rewind from WUFT News is produced by Julia Cooper, Jack Prater, Ezra Sheffield, Nathaniel Wilson, and Matthew Bell. Our executive producer is Ryan Vasquez. WUFT News is operated out of the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Remember to follow us at WUFT News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest news and information. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Bell. We'll see you next week.